What would you be doing right now if there weren't a pandemic? What would you do after this service? What would you do this evening, do you suppose? Tomorrow? This summer? Chances are, at least some of your answers are quite different than what you are actually going to do now. Maybe you were planning to have a visit from your grandchildren this summer and actually hold them in your lap. Or maybe you'd be getting together for lunch with a friend in a restaurant today. Maybe you had a trip planned to, to somewhere far away that you're now wondering if you'll ever see. Or maybe you would simply have spent a few hours in the library now and then, enjoying the space, the quiet companionship with the other book lovers. This pandemic has not only created loss and stress, but it has deprived us of the very things that we do to cope with loss and stress. Clearly, we need to find substitutes. We've done that here at UUCPA in the ways that we can with our online services, with classes that meet via Zoom, with classes that teach us how to meet via Zoom, with phone calls filling in for in-person conversations and videos filling in for live music. But we can do more and must push further and I wonder how it's working out in the rest of our lives. Priya Parker writes and speaks about gatherings, how we gather, why we gather, and this is the crux, whether the two are connected. Oftentimes, she says, they get disconnected. We keep having our gatherings, but we get stuck on the forms that we're used to the how of our gatherings, whether a professional conference and how that ought to go, because that's how it always goes, or a child's birthday party, and we have to have this element or that element because that's what you do at a birthday party. Sometimes we forget the why, she says. What is the purpose of these gatherings? Now, sometimes old forms serve us perfectly well, and that's why we keep using them. And sometimes we have to delve into the why to rework the old forms into something that will serve us better, even before the pandemic. For example, she gives, um, she gives the case of a couple that um, were expecting a baby, a man and a woman, and found themselves thoroughly unthrilled at the prospect of a baby shower and its usual activities. It just didn't seem to meet any need of theirs. It seemed to be just one more thing they were supposed to do when they were expecting. So they asked themselves, what they actually needed right then. And the woman who was expecting to go into labor within a couple of months found she had a lot of needs as parenthood approached, as did both of them together. For a start, she was really, really afraid of labor. And when they invited several friends to help create for them a, a celebration of coming parenthood, they responded to these real needs that the couple expressed. For example, Parker relates that her friends responded to her fear of labor by telling her stories from her own life of times that she had demonstrated courage and persistence and surrender, things that would go with her into the delivery room. 
she and her husband were naturally nervous about the huge and permanent change that they were making to their marriage. And so as part of the, of the celebration, their friends invited them to write new vows and share them right there, promising each other how they would be together as a couple as they moved into this new stage of their life. They recreated this occasion. They left out some of the old forms because pin the diaper on the baby just didn't meet any need of theirs the way it might for other folks. And they decided instead to make it a deeply meaningful response as baby showers were always intended to be to a big change in life. Now, of course, we are being compelled to change from our conventional forms. We have to change the way we gather. In uh, Jim Scott's um, YouTube page, the author of, the composer of Gather the Spirit, he shares a coronavirus version, and I've put the link to it down at the bottom of the order of service if you want to hear the whole thing. The words were written by his friend, Pat LaManna, and he sings it with good spirit. Gather on Skype, gather on Zoom, gather by phone with family and friends, gather online, but don't leave your room. Let's all stay safe until this crisis ends. When we are faced with a challenge like this of reworking the ways that we gather, there are a couple of risks. One is that we'll just transfer our usual ways into a new medium. And sometimes that works pretty well. Some kinds of gatherings work quite well just by Zoom. Some of them work better. If you used to call up your brother and have a long conversation, maybe it's really nice to see each other face to face, which was a technology you hadn't used before. But sometimes many elements of uh, our old gatherings just don't transfer into this new medium. And so important things are lost and we aren't allowing ourselves to be aware of that exactly. Another risk is that unable to meet in the way we would like to, we just try to do without. We, for example, for a couple of months, I said, we're just not going to have a flower communion this year. And that seemed okay when it was just a couple of months. And then it be, as it became clear that we would not be able to have an in-person flower communion until the next flower communion time at the earliest, that no longer seemed viable. It's as if we're going to just try to tread water for a while. And again, when the news was new, that might have worked. For a couple of months, you can just do without your usual kinds of gatherings. But we are now in the fifth month of this isolation. And without widespread testing and contact tracing and physical distancing, we are unlikely to see a fall in cases anytime soon. We can't tread water forever. We can't tread water for a year. We need the things that community brings us, and we need them now. So we need to ask, as we shift our kinds of gathering, why do we need community? Why do we gather? Some of Priya Parker's questions for us to ask ourselves are, what are the needs that this gathering meets? Uh, what are we hoping will happen when we gather? In what way do we hope we will be different as a result of this community's coming together? You know, I, I call this sermon 
um, new visions of community, but it's really not about a new vision. The how might be new, or at least different than what we're used to. We might meet in a different way, but the why we meet, that's old. And that's where we have to start, by asking that question that sometimes can get lost after years, after generations of following the same forms. Why do we have the communities that we do? And why do we do the things together in those communities that we do? So let's use UUCPA as an example. What are our purposes as a religious community? I mean, okay, so we have sort of the, the functions, okay? We hold services, we sing our songs, we gather and discuss, we have classes for people of all ages, we visit one another at times of illness and loneliness, we band together for justice. Those are all things we do together, but that's still kind of some of the how. Let's go down another level, go back a little further, dig a little deeper into the why we do those things. Well, we could stay here all day while I try to list all the things I've ever heard from all of you about why we do what we do together, but I'll list a few. One, as Parker identified in the words that we heard earlier in the service, to discover what we believe. To be inspired and strengthened to live out those beliefs. To be reminded of what matters most. To notice the uncomfortable disconnections that sometimes happen between what we profess about what's important and how we live. To help new generations know the wisdom that people have gathered over the ages. To help other people to know our love. To find the meanings of our lives. To find reasons to carry on when despair or grief, meaninglessness, numbness, and the other viruses of the spirit attack us. To rediscover beauty and joy we do all the things we do as a congregation to grow and change into whom we hope we will become next. We do it to know ourselves, to be a part of something beyond and greater than ourselves. And to glimpse for a moment the ways that this larger essence lives within and through us as well. We gather to realign our lives with what Howard Thurman called our moments of high resolve. We gather, as Mark Morrison Reed said, to unveil the bonds that bind each to all. And once we discover that connectedness, to act upon it together, inspired and strengthened by one another. Is there anything about being online that makes it harder to achieve these goals? Well, sure, absolutely. And not just because we're used to certain ways of doing things. But here we are. This is how we gather in this new time. Not forever, but for longer than we would like. So let's reflect on the why or whys of our gatherings, and then we'll have a better idea of the hows. We've gathered the ways that we have because they were suited to these purposes, or we thought they were. Here's something that I've been realizing 
now that we've been denied our usual forms. For a long time, we've tried to make our services accessible even to folks who uh, have limited mobility. Maybe it's very hard for them to get to church on their own in, um, in the mornings by, among other things, offering people rides. That doesn't work very well for a lot of folks. Folks who have limited mobility and energy, um, they might make an arrangement to have a ride with somebody on a regular basis and really appreciate that. But then, and this is feedback we've gotten from some folks, they say, you know, sometimes I just, I think I want to go to church and I wake up on Sunday and I just know I don't have the energy to go. Well, I've said to them, that's totally fine. The person who gives you a ride knows that. It's fine up to the last hour to call them up and just say, not going this morning. Thanks so much. Hope I see you next week. But people don't generally want to do that. And so that's where we've kind of gotten stuck. People who really need a ride if they're to get to our building, to be here in person. And yet, even a generous offer to bring them, um, to bring them here does not meet all of their needs. I've just accepted that as a given. That's, uh, we've done all that we can. That's what I thought. And now that we're meeting by Zoom, some folks are coming to our services online who have not gotten out of the house to come here for a long time. And I realize, I thought we were being accessible, but we weren't being as accessible as we could have been. This was another way that we could bring people to church. And now I hope we will never stop. This is a way you can come to church even if you don't have the energy, the mobility, or for whatever reason, you just cannot get out of the house and come on Sunday morning. Maybe you're a thousand miles away and you're still a part of this community. I'm so glad that we have discovered that. I'm glad we've had this shakeup, although, of course, the cost is too much to be borne. Now, other things work just wonderfully when we can be in the same room, <clears throat> but for now we can't and it's a long now. So what are some other tweaks that we might make? Well, we'll know if they're needed by how we feel. You know, when you leave a gathering, you have a sense of, whether it's you know, your book group, your lunch date, whatever, if you leave feeling great, you feel renewed, you feel more alive, your mind is spinning or you feel held by your community, you feel connected to what matters most, that's when you know it worked. And if you leave a gathering, say an online gathering, feeling like, oh, that wasn't, that wasn't all those things, well, it doesn't satisfy the why of gathering. So if that happens, if you leave feeling discontented at a gathering here at church or something else in your life, please, let's not stop there. Let's not just give up. Because these needs are real and important. And that moment of disconnect and discontent is a symptom. It's a clue to a diagnosis and therefore, we hope, to a resolution. So I urge you to think right now and over the next several days, what was missing from such a gathering for you if, you if you did try to substitute for your old practices? What was missing? And then, of course, if you didn't have a gathering at all, what's missing from your life that you now need to fill in? Let me give you an example from my own life. I meet in a monthly group that has changed to Zoom. We used to meet in person. Now we can't. These gatherings meet the wise pretty well. Uh, just on Zoom as in person, I'm feeling 
um, energized and inspired and glad that I took the time. Even when I start out thinking, ah, there's other things I could do with this two hours, I'm really, really glad that I went. But I'm also realizing how much a silent and important part of our gathering is being in someone's home. And I'm trying to think about why and how we can make the most of that. I think it's a way that we get to know each other in a different way than by sharing our words and even by sharing hands around the circle. So can we make the most of that? After all, right now we're peeking into many rooms. I see 10 people's homes. Um, it's not like being right inside them, but I can see a room that they're in instead of just one person's. We can't pet the cats. We can't go close up to interesting looking books on the bookshelves, but we can see more places. For example, We've seen into the kitchen of a member who has never hosted our group, and it's really lovely and striking, and we've talked to her about how it's designed and the daring color they put on the walls that we would never have put, and I know a whole, whole new thing about her and her partner that I didn't know before. So what if we, in our monthly group, expanded on this asset of online meeting and actually took the time to introduce each other to the spaces a bit more, instead of just feeling that they're backgrounds that we're really not supposed to pay much attention to. Would that be a distraction from the purpose of the group? Well, if we think of it as this is our reading and discussion group, well, yes, it is, because it takes away some of the time for us to talk about our reading. If we remember the deeper purposes, which are to get to know each other intimately enough that we can be vulnerable and to share our whole and real selves with each other, then no, it's not a distraction. It helps us to realize the purpose. It helps to serve the why, the mission of the group. Now you can apply this process to anything that you're missing or that you're doing but that just doesn't seem to fulfill you the way it did when you were meeting in person. Let's say you miss sitting in cafes. Well, what do you miss about them? Think about that. What about it? Why do you do it? If you follow that clue down and down until you really think about, you're really clear on what's important to you about that, so important that you're missing it right now, and it's probably not just the caffeine, only then can you, can you find and create the equivalent experience. And, and maybe some of it can't be filled in, like the hug with somebody that you often see there, or the sparkle of eyes seen up close. But maybe there are some other things that you could fill in. Seeing the staff that you know and who know you. Maybe that's meaningful to you um, because of the way it connects you to your community. And maybe there's another way you could connect with those staff. Or maybe you're realizing, oh, I really need to know that I'm important in my community. What I should be doing right now in place of going to a cafe is X, Y, Z. You see, if you dig down far enough to know that purpose, then you can start to see other options. Instead of just stopping at, well, can't go to cafes. I guess that's just not going to happen for a year. The needs can't wait. They mustn't wait. Jim Scott and his friend Pat Lamara joke, gather in spirit but not face to face. But they remind us 
There's so many ways to sweeten the time. Time is precious. And we mustn't let a year of it grow dull and dusty. However we gather, we gather for those purposes of which we sang. Gather in peace, gather in thanks, gather in sympathy now and then. Gather in hope, compassion, and strength. Gather to celebrate once again and all the other deep needs of our lives, so many purposes, far too important to wait. The Reverend Kimberly Debus will be here in two weeks and talk to us on the 19th about specific ways we can meet those purposes. But you don't need to wait even that long. I hope you'll continue to think about these things and come see me on Thursday if you'd like some help, some partnership in processing. Here are the needs. How can I meet them? That's our craft and chat time every Thursday at 5 p.m. All the information is on our online character or call me, our online calendar, or call me if that doesn't work for you. We'll use that time to share what we've discovered our goals are, our needs are, the mission, the purpose of the gatherings that we're missing right now. And what about pandemic life is getting in the way of them? And together, we'll begin to craft new ways of meeting these needs because they are too important. Life is too important. You are too important to ignore. Blessed be.